Well, today, keeping with the Thanksgiving and eating and all that stuff, I've got a message today talking about food. Well, it's just not the food you're thinking about, but that's food. How many of you, um, how many of you like to cook? About everybody in here. Okay, most everybody. How many of you like to eat? Ought to be 100% on that one. I mean, we just like to eat, amen. Um, now, now, I like to cook. I, I do like to cook. I don't like to cook a whole lot, but I like to cook, you know, because most times because there ain't nothing else to eat, and I'm going to cook, amen, but, but I'll cook, and I cook breakfast every morning, and uh, but, you know, there's this element, this uh, thing that we, that if you, sometimes you don't need it, but most time you do when you cook. And that is salt. You ever went to somebody's house and you just, you could almost smell what they were cooking and thinking, you need to put some more salt in that. Or you need to put some pepper or some, some type of seasoning. You know, when I'm cooking, when, when I go in, and, and uh, green beans. I like green beans. But I don't like green beans right out of the can. I like to doctor them a little bit. So my, man, garlic. Well, I never put garlic, but I, my wife saves bacon grease. Because you can put bacon grease on anything, and it's better. And you get you, uh, depending on how much you're going, you get you some of that bacon grease, and you scoop it out of that little old thing you keep it in, and you dump that in there, and you think, mm, give me one more. Uh, and then put you a little salt. Man, that just turns your green bean into like almost meat. You hear what I'm saying? And so, but, but you got to add a little salt because you ever, you know, some of those, they just, and if it says unsalted, I just pass on by. <laughs> unsalted butter. Honey, don't buy that. That, that cannot be from God. That's got to be some, something from the devil, unsalted. I mean, come on. And, and so salt is an important ingredient, okay? And uh, I, I want to read some scripture to you. Then I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about salt. I want to get you really worked up uh, so you'll be thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch while you're here. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. Today I want to talk to you about uh, this passage, a very familiar passage of scripture. But salt and light. Salt and light. Matthew 5 starting at verse 13. Is it up on the screen? Yes, it is. Hallelujah. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now, if, you have, um, if you're in your Bible, um, you, that is a red letter. This is red letter edition, okay? And so it says, uh, verse, uh, how, sh- how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under by, uh, underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, um, I've done a little research on some salt. And so as I read scripture, i got to get it down to simple, plain, I mean, i got to get it where I can understand it, okay? And so as I, as I was reading this, uh, the, the first thing that I asked myself a question in verse 13 says, um, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor. And I thought right off the bat, I didn't think salt could lose its flavor. Flavor, I just what I, you know. So I began to do some research. And uh, I wasn't as bad off as I thought. Salt technically cannot lose its flavor did you know that? See, I, I thought I knew that. 
But when I read scripture, I thought, well, why would Jesus make reference to something that's really not true? Y'all read the Bible like that? Oh, okay, well, never mind. I read the Bible and I think about it. Think, you know, just don't, just don't run through scriptures. Chew on it a little bit as you're reading, okay? And I thought, well, what, what's he trying to say here if he can't lose its flavor? So I began to do a little research in salt in, on this uh, uh, periodical chart. Y'all remember those? You remember those. You still have one probably hanging in your, in your bedroom probably something. No. <laughs> She's in biology. Bedroom, whatever. You know. So it, it, salt that... that, that that, uh, what is, I'm losing the, the, the yeah, but they're, they're you know, the NACL, it's, uh, what do you call those little numbers? Is that just the periodical term? Chemical formula, that's what I'm looking for. The chemical formula is NACL for salt. That's pure salt. That is a, a, a grain of salt. You can pick up, that's salt, okay? And, and it by itself, when it remains in that form, that cannot lose its flavor whatsoever. You say, well, wait a minute. Uh, what if it dissolves? Can it lose its flavor? Yeah, it can. Here's the problem, or here's the, the thing with salt. When salt, and, and let me read my research for you. <clears throat> table salt, N-A-C-L, uh, table salt cannot lose its flavor as long as it stays in its solid form. Okay. NACL can only lose its flavor if the chemical compound dissolves in water and recrystallizes with other elements, okay, which would render it something other than NACL or salt. So technically, salt, when it's in its form, cannot lose its flavor. It has to be dissolved and that um, a solution has to be bonded with something, some other type of element in order for salt to lose its flavor. Very interesting, right? Hold that thought for a few minutes. So why would Jesus make the statement alluding to the fact that salt can lose its flavor? Well, first of all, his statement is a metaphor. Okay, the Bible speaks metaphorically a lot of times, types and shadows, parables, so that people can understand uh, what he's trying to get across, okay? And so as I looked at it from that view, I looked at the value of salt. What is the purpose? What was such a big deal about salt? Why would Jesus, in his speaking, not through a prophet, not through a writer, but in his words, why would he uh, uh, take on the idea of salt and make it such, um, such a, a wonderful uh, passage that we can live by. I mean, everybody says, well, you're the salt, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're light of the world, right? You've heard that many times. So what's the deal? Why would God use this? Well, as I begin to do some research and some study on uh, ancient history, biblical time history, this is what I came up with. There's many things. I just want to hit one today. Uh, did you know that the word salary comes from salt? Did you know that? I did not know that. Salary comes from the, the word. Uh, Roman soldiers, for an example, in, in biblical times, received a ration of salt as part of their salary or part of their wages. And this was where they would, um, the, the, sal the word salary comes from. In Roman legionaries, uh, they didn't want their commanders thinking that they weren't worth their salt. So they would work extra hard 
And so because part of that wage was salt. And I thought, well, in my mind, you know, I'm simple. What's the big deal about salt? Why would you work for salt? I mean, salt's the cheapest thing you can buy at the grocery store. It is. The only thing cheaper than salt is the, is the little flyer that you get when you walk in. Come on. That, that, that's cheap. Salt's cheap, right? I mean, wow, just salt. And so I got to think, well, what's the big deal? Here's the thing about salt in ancient days. Now, we've gotten away from a lot of this art. But salt um, in ancient world, uh, people needed salt in order to survive. Now, you and I do as well, but just not as much. So salt, they would use salt because it seasons food. It cures meats and keeps them from spoiling. Salt also purifies and salt cleanses and salt heals as long as it remains salt. Get it? I'm going somewhere with this message. So in ancient times, they would use salt as part of their wages because it was a necessary element because they couldn't go to the refrigerator and put their meat in the refrigerator. They would salt. How many of you ever grew up in your parents' uh, or your grandparents maybe in some situations, now we're getting pretty far removed, would have a, um, a, a, a what we called a smokehouse or a, where you'd go and salt meat. How many ever done that? All right, how many under 50 ever did that at your house for your mom and daddy? How many people at 55 and under did that? I did that. My job, I'm 55 and under by the way, and that's not a lie. My job was to make sure the, the meat was salted and you'd rub that down often. And it would cure that outside, uh, you know, depending on what you had uh, about so, so deep. Eight to a quarter inch deep, it would just cure it. It just basically turn it leather. Glory to God, it was salty, but that was some good meat. And you know, you never put that in a refrigerator. My dad, we'd hang it. We'd hang that up and, boy, you talking about some meat. Glory. Y'all getting hungry yet? So I'm only God by another hour. <clears throat> so, man, you go going to slice some of that meat off? Man, that was some good stuff. It was just like ready to eat right now. Let's just eat it all raw right now. Man, it was good stuff. They used that to keep their meat. They used it for seasoning. They used it when, when to, to cleanse and to purify different, different things, maybe a cut or whatever. You ever put salt in a cut? <laughs> Will that purify you? Get you right with the Lord. Because you're going to cuss right at right before, you know, right all during that. And you got to get right with God. Okay, that's, man, that burns. You ever, you ever had a cut? Put that salt in there? Oh, man, glory to God. I mean, it'll purify you. So salt was important. So can salt or can we, the salt of the earth, lose our flavor? The answer is yes. Here's why. Just like the salt, when it is compounded, when it is broken down and it combines itself, it attaches itself with some other element other than the gospel, other than Jesus Christ, it becomes contaminated. In other words, it is really not salt anymore. And when you get contaminated with the world because you, stuff you do, all of a sudden, you're not the salt that Christ was talking about. You become contaminated. You're broke down into another form of something, but it is not salt. I thought you'd do a lot of amen in right there. 
thought that was pretty good. You're chewing on it. Chew on it a minute. Maybe I'll take a break. Maybe that's what I should do. Give you something, sit down for a few minutes, come back up. Amen. So when we, when Christ says this in, in Matthew 13, you are the salt of the earth, we understand that we're not actual in ACL. We're actually, he's, it's a metaphor that says we as people, as the church, are to be that thing in the world that cleanses, it purifies, it, uh, if you will, sanitizes, it brings uh, flavor, it's a seasoning that we should bring with us into the world. It's hard for us to bring the flavor and the seasoning into the church house. More or less in the world. Man, that'll preach. Sit down a minute on that. So if you're the salt, and I'm the salt, that's why he says, if we, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, is it possible, as metaphorically speaking, for the salt, you and I, to lose lose our favor, flavor? If it wasn't, he wouldn't have said it. He wouldn't have said, really said, be on guard because you can lose your flavor. You can lose the purpose in which I created you when you came to me as a Christian. If you're not careful, you can connect yourself. You can contaminate yourself to the point where you're no more effective as salt. Oh, that's good. What does he say about salt that loses its flavor? This is tough. I mean, I read this and thought, God, help me, Jesus. Watch. It says, let me make this statement first. But if this salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? What is, the, what is he referring to in it? The earth. How will the earth be seasoned if the salt loses its flavor? How will it? The earth. How's the earth going to be seasoned with the gospel, Christianity, how's it going to find flavor? How's it going to find help in the healing and the purification if we, the church, have lost our flavor, if we've lost our, our desire to go into the world, to go into the earth? It's good, too. Watch this. He says in verse 13, It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know, there's this uh, little book in the back of the Bible called Revelation. And there's seven letters to the churches in Revelation. And God has a problem with every one of them. Just about. I wonder what happens when God looks over and he sees the church, that it's lost its flavor. I, I look, I think that God's looking over heaven sometimes and he sees some magnificent, beautiful churches that are doing things right that appeal to our senses. But there's no flavor. There's no seasoning. Tina and I have been watching some videos getting together our little Christmas thing that we want to do. And we were like amazed and astonished at the productions of 
some of these churches, they are off the chain. Do you hear me? I mean, wow, they, they move your emotions. I mean, it's like, whoa, that is so good. But you don't feel the spirit of God in there. You don't feel that. You don't sense like you're being seasoned when you watch it. Does that make sense? You're moved. And I mean, there's a fine line between those. That emotion and being seasoned and being, being moved on by the spirit. Amen. There's that fine line. But man, there's some stuff out there. And I wonder if God doesn't look up and say, man, you're doing a great job. But you lost your flavor. Kind of like over them green beans. Man, they look like green beans, but they don't have any salt, do they? Look like a church, but there's no salt. There's no seasoning. There's no flavor. There's no purification. There's no cleansing. There's no healing in the church. You sit down a minute on that one, too. So the Bible says this about salt, that we too, I'll say, make this statement, we too will lose our identity as the salt when we join ourselves with the world. When we want to be like the world, we want to do what the world is doing, and we put it under the guise of, well, uh, the, the, the premise of I am trying to reach someone here, and we act like the world. The world can't tell us any different than, than the church. There's no different in the world. The world's no different than the church. And when we put on these productions, it look like a, a program, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but when we put on productions that are, that are very similar to a concert at a at a, uh, wherever you might want to go at the uh, Altel Arena or whatever it's called now, Simmons Bank Arena. When, when there's no difference in the church, when there's no spirit, there's no flavor, we're in trouble. Here's what the Bible says that we are to be, that we're to do. In order to maintain the saltiness, the flavor that Christ has put in us as a Christian, Here's what we're to do. We find that in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I don't know about y'all, but I can get that. That's plain English. Remember what I tell you my dad used to say? Plain English is plainly understood. That's plain English. Come out. What does that mean? I can't be like the world. I got to live in the world, but I can't act like the world. I can't be of this world. I can't be, I can't be connected to the things that, that's happening in the world. Doesn't mean I'm not aware of them. Doesn't mean that I don't walk through those things. It means that I cannot be part of it. I got to come out and be separate. Says the Lord. Doesn't say your pastor, not a denominational belief. The Bible says here, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. The problem is in the church, we're trying to handle everything that the world's got Monday through Saturday, and then we want to come to church on Sunday and be holy. That doesn't work. Tell you a little story. You've probably heard it before, but if you, if you have, you say, man, that's the best story I've ever heard. There was a woman walking in the forest, and she picks up a snake, beautiful snake. I mean a beautiful rattlesnake, so color. I mean, beautiful. Now, look, rattlesnakes are beautiful if they're skinned. Amen. That's the only beautiful rattlesnake I've ever seen in my life, but they are pretty. So she picks up this rattlesnake and says, man, this is beautiful. Puts it in her pocket. 
goes home, keeps the snake, raises the snake. Man, the snake just grows, grows, grows. And beautiful, just a beautiful snake. Reaches in one day to feed the snake, and the snake bites her pal. She says to the snake, why did you bite me? I have fed you. I've taken care of you. I've done all these things for you, and you bit me. And the snake's response was, but you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. See, it's just a matter of time. If you're playing and flirting and handling and touching the world, it's just a matter of time before you get bit. You can tell me that you're a strong Christian all you want to, but Christ says, come out, don't touch the unclean, and be, be ready to be used. But if we're playing with this thing called life and putting God here when we want him to, when we want him, we'll pull him off the shelf, you're going to get bit by the world. The world does not care for you. The world cares for you only when you can provide something for somebody in it. The moment you cannot help someone, you're not someone's enabler, you're not somebody's uh, pimp, if you will, in life, guess what? They're done with you. That's the difference between God and the world. He wants us all the time. He pursues us even when we don't do right. Whoo, that's good news. Viewers wondering. So now that you have got a little word on salt, let me give you a little word about light. I looked up a couple of facts, a few things on, on light. Two things that I, I, I looked up and I never thought about. I knew this to be true, but I never really thought about it. <clears throat> on light. Now, light's pretty fast. 86,256, can you tell me, miles per second. That's fast. I mean, that's like, boom, that's fast. If a human, I thought this was kind of humorous, could travel at the speed of light, what distance could they travel in a second? You ever thought about that? Well, me neither, but it was pretty interesting. I wonder how far I could go in a second if I could be like light. Never sat down and thought about that whatsoever. Somebody has because I got this off some research I've done. You could travel around the earth seven and a half times if you could move the speed of light in one second. That's moving. I mean, how many of you, some of you remember Billy Carter? Let me go. Jimmy Carter. Y'all know Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter, our president, had uh, a long time ago, praise God, a long time ago, um, he had a brother named Billy Carter. Billy was there, but he wasn't all there. He was everywhere, okay? There was a joke came out several years ago, you know, because we got time zone differences in the United States. And they asked old Billy, because he kind of like get on the sauce quite a bit. And uh, they asked him one time, he, he was, uh, you know, let's just say he was in Atlanta. And they asked him, said, uh, he went up to the airport. He was going to get on a flight and go to Dallas, and they asked him, said, um, he said, well, what time does the plane leave? He said, well, 7, seven o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever you want to call it, 7 o'clock. Well, what time does he get in Dallas? It's 7 o'clock. He said, would you like to buy a ticket? Because see, that, that time zone, you get it? Yeah. So would you like to buy a ticket? He said, no, but if you don't mind, I'd like to just sit back and watch that thing take off. That'd be fast, right? If it left at 7 and got there at 7, see, he wasn't clicking all that. But anyway, my point is, <laughs> y'all get it in a minute. 
missing out on that one a minute. My point is, kind of messed him up. That's fast, right? I mean, that's moving. Why do we see lightning of a thunderstorm before we hear the sound? We all ought to really know this one, but it is interesting. Light is faster than sound. So you see the light before you hear the sound of it. See, lightning is just a, uh, when this, this uh, I'm not a weatherman. Where's my weatherman at? Where yet, Jacob Rankin? Where's he at? So, so, so how do we get thunder? Give us a, can you, can you, am I putting you on this spot? Because I mean to. So tell us how we get thunder in, 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 in a short version. Now, did y'all know that? I did not either, but that's awesome. I just knew that there was a flash of light and it's time to get indoors, okay? That's what that meant to me. We used to get always, you, when you, did you ever play the game when you were a kid? When it would light in, you'd count how many seconds before you hear the thunder? Yeah, that would be like, yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, that's right there. <laughs> still, still do it? Me too. Bam! Oh, my Jesus, you know? <laughs> It happens. So now that you've had your science lesson for today in thunder and salt, let's talk about this, uh, uh, lightning and salt. Let's talk about this. Darkness can only reoccupy the space that, let me say it, let me rebrand it. Darkness can only reoccupy a place that light vacates. As long as there's light, darkness cannot take over that place. Remember that, okay? Light never waits on darkness to leave so it can illuminate. I'm going somewhere. Did you hear me? Light never waits on darkness to leave so it can come in. If we were to cut all the lights off in this room right now, and we were, in a few minutes, we'd cut the light back on. The light is not waking, waiting for the darkness to go away so it can illuminate. The moment the light decides I'm going to come on, boom, guess what? The darkness has no option. It must leave. Did I tell you that you're to be light? Doesn't matter where I told you or not, the Word of God says it. Watch this. In verse... Uh, 14, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We refer to spiritual wickedness as darkness, and we refer to God's goodness and mercy and grace as light. That's the two forces, if you will, light. Do you understand that in Genesis chapter 1, that darkness was over everything, and when God spoke, let there be light, Light took over. It didn't wait to say, well, let me make up my mind if I want to do that. That's why, because of God's authority, that light will always overcome darkness. I read it in my studies this week. I read that uh, about the Big Bang Theory, just looking up things on lights, okay? I believe in the Big Bang Theory, that it's crazy as a shot rabbit. Watch this. The Big Bang Theory says, it's one of the articles I read, 
started out acknowledging that Christ, that God created light. And it gave the verse, Genesis. And I thought, man, this is going to be a good article. And it says, but light really couldn't take over for 500,000 years from when God spoke. I thought, well, this is interesting to me now because I've got to figure this out. Number one, we ain't been here no 500,000 years, number one. But I want to see what's going on. So I began to read more of the article, and it said this. It said that, that because uh, when God spoke, because there was such dense, thick darkness that light had to, just, in other words, eat away a little bit at a time at the darkness. And I thought, oh, man, they need to read the rest of the book. They need to get over in the New Testament where God says that I am the light of the world and that I shouldn't, that I cannot be hidden, that lamp can't be put out. So you know what that tells me? That the darkness can't eat away at me, and I don't have to eat away at either. If I'm light, I'm going to come in the room as a Christian, and I'm going to illuminate the area. Amen? We should be that way. We should have that air about us. We should say, you know, when I walk in this place, the atmosphere should change. Now, we live way, 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 way beneath that as a Christian. Because here's what happens most of the time as a Christian. We walk into a dark place and we become dark. Well, when you're in Rome, you do as Romans do. You act like them. Baloney. The Bible says that I'm supposed to be salt and light. I ought to bring some flavor, some seasoning into the place. And also to bring some light into the place. Yeah, I like that idea. I'm going to do that more often. Light is, of course, one of the key essentials to life here on earth. It helps us to thrive and to survive. Without light, it would be impossible to live very long. Amen? Because light brings, uh, helps us grow our crops and our fruits and our vegetables. It keeps us from being depressed. I don't know, it's never been to Alaska, but they say because of the darkness, it switches out there, whatever's going on out there in Alaska. You know, there's like 20 hours of daylight, and I'm thinking, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Where are there dark out curtains? You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> that people, and then when it switches around, there's a lot of darkness. People get depressed. That's true. You ever sit in the house and pull the curtains, and, and you know, it's old gloomy day outside, not much lights there. It's real limited light, and you just, you just you don't want to do nothing. Some of y'all have never done that in your life, have you? My wife would say, that is not you, honey. But it happens to all of us. You just, uh, you feel yucky. You don't, you're not what? Motivated. Amen? The only thing you want to do is go eat. And then you go eat because you're, uh, and then you, and you start feeling fat. It's right around Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving's next week. And you just feel fat. And then you become unmotivated. And then the first of the year comes along and you say, mm, I'm going to get a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> Liar. It's a great idea. Problem is, 
if you don't want to lose weight up until a certain point in the year, you're not going to lose weight. That's why I don't even make those resolutions. I'm happy. You've got to be happy with you, okay? So let me continue. In John 1, 1, the Word of God says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning. If you're ever wanting to know, uh, talk to people about when everything started, just take them to John 1. He was in the beginning. When was the beginning? In the beginning. At first, he was there. He was, he was there. Verse 3, all things were made through him. Check this out. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. That alone, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, that alone disbands the Big Bang Theory. If he didn't make it, it doesn't exist. And if it exists, he made it. Because God made everything when? In the beginning. He made, he's not creating new things. We're finding out new things. We're finding galaxies that are, that are millions of light years away. We're just finding all of these things out now that they, didn't, they wasn't just created last week. God created them. We're just catching up to what God did some six, 7,000 years ago. That's amazing to me that we're just so far behind God. You're talking about a lag. You're talking about behind the curve. <laughs> wow, here we are. And somehow we want to question God. Verse 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. What was that? That was that breath, that ruach that was in him, that was breathed into you and I. What, when you came to be a Christian, that breath of life, that good life, was breathed into you. Not that you were dead uh, physically. You were alive. Obviously, you came to the altar, uh, an altar some. But he breathed a freshness into you, a breath of life. That light in you is what the Scripture tells, that when life comes in you, when you get saved, you ought to become light. So if we're light and we're, we're saved and we become light, what are we supposed to do outside the church? We're supposed to be a light. Matthew 5 said that a light is not lit to be put under a bushel, under, under a lamp, under a shade, or under a basket. Why? Because you'll go out. You won't, you, won't, you won't be effective. You won't be able to do what you've been called to do. So when you become a Christian, you are to, instructed to, commanded to by Christ, be a light and not be put out. That's why he puts salt and light in the same passage of Scripture so you can get this, so that if you're contaminated with the world, but you're a light, it won't be long that the, that the world is putting you out. Well, Pastor, I don't know about all that. Oh, well, just get out there in the world and just hang tight a little bit. Quit reading your Bible. Quit praying. Quit coming to church. It won't take you long. Your light will begin to dim. Be like a dimmer switch we got here in the church. You can just pull it down a little bit each day and say, yep, watch this. You can, you can watch them. And it'll just keep coming right on down before long. You won't be able to see anything. God never called us to be put out. God called us to shine. Verse 5, I believe you'll come. Verse 5 says this. And the light shines in the darkness. 
Let me reread again. And the darkness shines into the light. The light. Who's the light? The Christians, the church. We're the light. And what do we, what does the light do? Shines what? Into the darkness. Into that person that you know is not living right. In, into the dark, into those places that you know people are going like the clubs and the bars and all that stuff. That's a dark place. Darkness is anything where God's not, but that's a really dark place because most of the time God doesn't, doesn't hang out in there, okay? Really? I thought God's om, om, omnipresent. Well, he is. I'm just saying he ain't hanging out in there. You won't feel the same presence of God at the bars you will in this church, I hope. If we do, let's flood the altars now, please. Because we've got it wrong. We have a formula of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. Our salt has lost its flavor, if that be the case. May I suggest to you this morning that if you're not shining into the darkness, you might want to check what you're connected to you might want to see who's holding the power supply to the outlet to make you shine. You might want to look and see who's trying to contaminate you and dissolve you into something that is other than salt. Pastor, I only surround my pe- myself with godly, honorable people. Okay, yeah, right. And you can be the first to the altar to repent for lying and thinking because you've been deceived. We are in this world. We are around that negative stuff. We are around darkness. And if we're not careful, it'll just it'll keep heaping on us if we allow it to. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So what does that mean? This is what that means summed up real simple. When the darkness shines in, I mean, when the light shines into the darkness, the darkness says, I don't even know how to combat that. I don't even comprehend the, the elements of light. I don't even understand what light does. I, I, there's no way I can fight against the light because I don't even comprehend it. I don't even understand it. I don't know what that person's got in them. I don't know where they go. I don't know what happens. But man, they got something that I can't overcome as a, as a, in the darkness. Man, what is happening? You keep shining that light and it's not long. If you shine that good light, guess what? Somebody's looking at you saying, hey, I want to be like you. What do you have? Because you got some. I tried all these other things. They told me they were right. They told me they were light. But you got the light. So what is it? What is it about you that people desire? What is it about you that people do not desire? I'm not talking about living under the law and being perfect. That's not what I'm talking about. Because you can live a holy life and have battle scars. Did you hear me? 
You can live a holy life that is acceptable to God and have battle scars and make mistakes and stumble along the way. See, if you're thinking differently, please understand that God is a God of mercy and grace and forgiveness and the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, a hundred times over in forgiveness. As long as our heart's right, as long as we try to be the light, the minute you make a stumble, the minute you fall over yourself, the enemy says, see, you ought not be light anymore. You're, you're, you, you can't even be like you. See, you stumbled. And you know, the Bible says you shouldn't cause anybody to stumble. It's going to be worse for you. And we start believing that liar. And what do we do? We start pulling back. I can take people in, in my own life too. But I can look at people where they are and what they're doing in life and ministry, church, whatever. And I can take you right to the moment when people start f- f- stepping back and stepping back and getting in the side when they were up front and center and they start falling back. I can take you to the point in their life where they quit saying, I want Jesus to be front and center. It's, it's just really easy. Because we're to be light. And when God comes in, we're full of light, right? You ever had a battery-operated light, one of those big Q-beams? When fish business was real big, uh, we had Q-beam lights. You plug them in, charge them up. Now you have them because you spotlight at night. I mean, because, uh, because of other things. But uh, Q-beam lights. And at night when you were out checking the oxygen on the ponds, if you didn't keep that thing plugged up, boy, about toward the end of the night, guess what? Where you could shoot across, you know, uh, three or four hundred yards. Then after a while, guess what? You can barely see outside the truck. Because the battery, the light started going down. Why? Because it stayed off the charger too long. So I want to ask you another question. What are you getting charged by? There ain't but two things you can get charged by. One's going to make you brighter and one's going to make you dimmer. We are called to be a shining light for Christ at all times. At the church, outside the church, in our marriages, come on. We're to be a light, shining light. Not dim, but shining. Not put under a bushel. Not hidden, but a light at all times. Boy, that'd make a difference in the world. I can tell you it would. If Christ is in us, we are called to be the light of the world and we are called to shine. Period. Matthew 5, 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I think that one of the greatest ploys of darkness is 
that we want people to see what we're doing good so we can get glory. So they'll say, man, look at them. And the Bible specifically says that what we do, people should see that they glorify the Father, not you. Has nothing to do with you, actually. It's about Him. If we serve Him and we go after Him and we seek Him, the Bible says you'll find Him. And in Him, you will have glory. He'll put glory upon you. He'll give you the glory. But when we switch it around and say, I want to have the glory of men or women, guess what? We are flirting with the very thing that can put out your lamp. You are flirting with the very composition of elements that will cause you to lose your flavor and your seasoning and your cleansing power and anointings and all of that. When you connect with those things, God says, come out and be you separate. We're in a time today in America that I believe that in the very near future, I mean, I, I'm talking about in the near future, not done, I'm talking about 50 years, I'm talking about in the next months and, and within a couple of years, you're going to see some outlandish things happen. They're already beginning. If you pay attention, they're happening now. Now, I don't care. This is not a, uh, not trying to be political. But if you can be on trial like this Rittenhouse fella, I don't care why he was there. And you cannot defend basic rights. When they take those away, what is another basic right? That we can come and worship. What is really right? Media spends to be wrong. And what is wrong? They spend to be right. I've never heard so much foolishness in my life in the, last, in the last week. Some of the craziest things have been going on. If you just pay attention. It's coming. You know why it is eating up? There's two reasons. But you know why it's so r rapidly moving forward? Because the church is not salt and not light. That, that's, that's one big thing. Yes, I understand that Christ has his plan. And it's going to come to fruition. I get all of that. But have you ever been in a, in a society that is everything that is so biblically or against biblical principles now has become so right? I said years ago, years ago I said this told my wife, I'll never forget, first time I'd ever uh, in, in really dealt too much with with homosexual couple. And I was in the carpentry business, and they wanted me to come do some work for them. And said, yeah, money's money to me. I don't care what you do in that sense. You pay me, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So I did the work. And I remember looking on their dresser, and I saw this little thing that had wasn't marriage vows. It was just a paper written about commitment to each other and I'll never forget I went home and I was talking to my wife and I said 
they want us at that time they just wanted you to acknowledge that they had civil unions it wasn't even called marriage God forbid that they would call it marriage back then civil unions I told my wife I said it'll never stop there I said it'll never stop I don't have any great insight I'm just saying it'll never stop there because why because man is not satisfied with just a little bit he wants a little bit more and he wants a little bit more and he wants a little bit more and he, and he keeps wanting more and more and more well just look at it now that was in the early 90's look at it now now it's not only do we want you to, to, to be okay with our marriages we want to redefine the definition of marriage and, and not only that we want you to be okay not that you're okay we want you to agree with us we want you to agree. I told you about three years ago, watch out, the next thing that they were going to add in the LGBTQ plus was pedophilia. Y'all, does anybody, you all remember me telling, three or four years, I, I said, it's coming next. What's here? You know what they're calling it now? A disorder. Well, let me back up. They were calling it a disorder. Now it's moved into, it's not so much a disorder. But they love them. Why can't they love who they want to? Because they're illegal. I mean, it's uh, 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 underage children. That's why. If you were to get caught and didn't uh, to do it, they, they would put you in, in jail for for. Uh, and I'm losing my thought. M- molesting and 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 child endangerment, and having pictures of children underage. All I gotta do is say, but I love them. Oh, well then you get a pass. You see what I'm saying, church? We're in a place where we cannot afford to let our light go out. We cannot afford to be connected with something that will cause us to lose our flavor, our seasoning. So how do you keep that? You gotta stay in God's word. I don't even have notes on this. I've told you this much. You gotta pray, you gotta stay in God's word. You got to read God's word every day. Every day, Pastor. Every day. Well, that's a little extreme. Yeah, well, we're in extreme conditions. Every day. You gotta, you gotta pray every day. You you have to. You gotta worship God every day. Because the devil's just looking for that little crack to jump in. You, you, need to, you need to come to the house of the Lord when, whenever possible and, and get in His presence and worship Him and hear the Word of God. It's important. None of those things I just told you came from your pastor. Came from the Word of God. You can leave here and be mad and say, well, the preacher wants us to come to church all the time, wants us to read all the time, I just ain't going to do it. Well, you can be mad at me if you want to. I, that's not my problem. You're mad at God. I'm just a messenger. These are things I'm trying to help you to get you to understand. These are things that will cause your light to continue to shine and cause your saltiness to continue to have flavor. God, we need it. Will you stand with me across the room today?